sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. teacher. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Shall we share a word of prayer? You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift glory is yours, Jesus. No flesh shall glory in your presence. All the honor is yours. We lift our hands in work for what we have that we didn't receive from you. He's great. He's great. Tell him he's great. He does miracles. Oh, yes. There's no one. There's no one. In a class of your own, Jesus. But thank you that you are here. Sweet Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. You are the guide. You are the counselor. You are the helper. You are the one called alongside to, to help and to stand. You are the paraclete, the standby. Have your way. Spirit of God, brood over this place. Brood over chaotic lives. Brood over directionless lives. Root over the limitations of man and 
and have your way in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you will use a vessel like this to bring salvation to your people, to bring the knowledge and the light of your gospel. Let your will be done. And let every glory, every praise, every affirmation, let it go to you because it belongs to you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Praise the Lord. Thank you, praise and worship team. You are powerful. Well, all too soon our convention has come to an end. And the Lord has been faithful to us. Hallelujah. This year, we've had the privilege of having Daughter I Can Make It conventions in so many places including the female prison in Accra, Ghana. And you should have seen the choristers in their daughter cloth. It was something else. And the joy with which the people praised and worshipped God. I said to them that those of us from outside are not as happy as you were within. And they said that they wanted more more of such conventions, more of such meetings, and I trust that the Lord will open the door for us to do just that. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I was in prison, and you didn't come. But we are glad that we went, and after that we broke bread with them, and God was gracious. Hallelujah. God has been doing great things in Ghana, and um, it's not about us, it's about him. And I live in a miracle just like you. And I'm also surprised pleasantly just like you. Hallelujah. And so let's just stay faithful. And God will stay faithful to us. I want to salute Reverend Kinsley all the way from Cape Town. And your able Gio, his wife, and all the wonderful pastors and their wives and the shepherds those with wives and those without spouses, I want to salute all of you. Amen. I trust that the Lord will do a nice thing in your life. But God bless you for being faithful, for staying united in heart, in mind, and in purpose. Because I believe that that has helped Lighthouse Chapel reach many places. When I saw the Papua New Guineans, something happened to me. This year, I also had the privilege of seeing our church members in Trinidad, in Guyana, in St. Lucia, in Jamaica. And the only thing that united us was Christ and the vision and the church in which he had put us. And it was something amazing. Trinidad is far from England. And I had to go over many seas to get there. But I was very happy to have been there. And to see what God is doing. You know, in doing some of the conventions, the Holy Ghost will just break people down. And you realize that our issues are the same. It doesn't matter the color. It doesn't matter even the continent. Human issues are the same. And the solution still remains the same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about what do you see? What do you see? Let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. What do you see? Some of you, you didn't even bring a Bible. But you don't go to school without a textbook. I don't know why you take things of God so casually. May the Lord help you. To have some veneration, ecclesiastical veneration, amen. That is respect for godly things. Are we there? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a goodly child or a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of a king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, 
refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, the, pleasing, the passing pleasures of sin for a season, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. Amen. Now my main and key verse here is, by faith, Moses, when he was born, and was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a goodly child. Now the Bible in Hebrews 11 is talking about different people by faith. Abraham offered up Isaac. By faith, this person did the... And then in verse 23 it says, By faith, Moses when he was born was hidden. So the hiding of Moses was an act of faith. Sometimes the hiding of Moses is an act of fear. But in this case, the hiding of Moses was an act of faith. So by faith, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a goodly child. What do you see? The reason why Moses was hidden for three months was because of how and what his parents saw. They saw that he was not just an ordinary child, not just a child who had brought pressure. We'll read other passages that would give a broader picture. But because they saw that he was a beautiful child. And then also they were not afraid of the king's commandment. So faith did some things in the lives of Moses' parents. First of all, it allowed him to be born. Secondly, it made them hide him. And they hid him because of the way they saw. They saw him as a goodly child. And then, fourthly, they were not afraid of the prevailing circumstances or of the king's commandment. Amen. Let's go to Acts 7. It's good to read the Bible so that it's not my idea, but God's idea. Amen. When you are there, tell us and we'll read on. Acts chapter 7, are we there? Reading from verse 15. And Jacob went down to Egypt and there passed away he and our fathers. And from there, they were removed to Shechem and laid in the tomb which Abraham had purchased for a sum of money from the sons of his more Shechem. But as the time of the promise was approaching, which God had assured to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose another king over Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. It was he who took shrewd advantage of our race and mistreated our fathers so that they would expose their infants and they would not survive. And it was at this time that Moses was born. And he was lovely in the sight of God. And he was nurtured three months in his father's house. And after he had been exposed, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own. And Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power in words and deeds. But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his heart to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. Hallelujah. Now the Bible says from verse 17 that as the time of the promise was approaching, which God had assured to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied. Every promise has a time. And the Bible says, as the time of the promise approached, the people increased and multiplied. 
All this time, the people were there flourishing and all that. But as God's timetable or clock begins to tick, certain things are set into motion. So what happened was that as the time of God said, it's now. God had given Abraham a promise 450 years, 430 years, your people will be in bondage. And then I will lead them out by a strong hand. So before these people were born, God had a purpose. So they, when they were being brought by Jacob and they were happy and they had Goshen and things, they didn't know that a time of pressure had been foretold. I've come to see that our existence is not just when we are born, but from the foundations of the world, the Lord lays a purpose for our lives. Hallelujah. So as the time of the thing was approaching, God gave increase and the people just began to multiply and to increase until there came a king who did not know Joseph. Many people don't know what has been done for them to be where they are. So they often don't know and, and acknowledge any Josephs. They just live with what they see. Hallelujah. So there arose a king who did not know Joseph. And he t- took shrewd advantage of God's people and mistreated them so that their infants would be exposed. That is, they would be killed and that they would not survive. And it was at this time verse 20, that Moses was born. Hmm. We all know the story of Moses. The Bible says that a man from the house of Levi went to take a woman from the house of Levi called Jochebed and then they got married and they had a guy called Moses and at the time that Moses was born, it was the time that the birth of male children had been banned. Because the pharaohs and the Egyptians said that these people are becoming too strong. And if we allow them to reproduce and produce more male children, we will be threatened in our own land. It is a natural phobia. Whenever foreigners come around you a bit, you become afraid. Especially when they increase and multiply. What are they going to do again? And Pharaoh had a solution. And that is before they are even born. Or when they are born, you kill them immediately. It was at this time that Moses was born. Because often, when God will give birth to something, it takes pressure for you to push out whatever God has in store for you. Those of you who have not experienced labor before, especially our brothers, there are different stages of labor. And as the time approaches, you see, the contractions are far between when labor starts. And I tell you, there's no other word that you can give to describe the ordeal other than labor. It is labor. (laughs) And when it's like 30 minutes in between, when the contraction passes, you do this and then after that you can even drink some tea. When I was going to have my first child, it was in Switzerland. And I didn't really know what to expect. You know, you feel some pain, but you don't know if this is the labor. So I woke my husband up in the night at 1 a.m. And I said, I think I have some pain, so we should go to the hospital. Oh, okay. Then I'm going to have a shower, then we can go. And then he said, oh, let me monitor the contractions. Oh, they are far between. We have time. I said, do you know what you are talking about? <laughs> he said, oh, you are a primate. That's a first time mother giving birth. You are a primate. When we go, we'll be there for a long time. So I want to have my bath and be sure that whatever. Anyway, I didn't have a choice because this is the person taking me to the hospital. So he went to have a shower. After that, he was whistling. I'm coming, okay? (laughs) It wasn't easy. And as the pain intensified, I tell you, I like to coordinate my colors properly. But that day, I have a picture. The gown is blue, the shoes are green, and the shawl is purple. It doesn't matter. The pressure 
And then we went to the hospital. The hospital. When we got there, they brought a wheelchair. Pain. And then they wheeled me in. And as they were playing music and things, you know, to lighten the atmosphere, the pressure is the same. <laughs> and then I wanted to speak to the midwife, but in Switzerland, that part of Switzerland, they speak French. So I turned to the midwife and asked, or said, c'est pénible. That means it's painful. Then my husband was sitting by me and said, ah, but is this labor? If you are in pain, you won't speak French. You will speak, you will, you will speak your mother tongue. Your mother tongue. You won't speak. When I looked at the intensity of the pain, I decided to ignore the comments and to think of better things. But true to his word, I was there for a long time. And the baby came at 12 o'clock the next morning, the afternoon. But the contraction and the time of pressure from 30 minutes, it became 20. From 20, 15, in between. Then from 15, 10. Then 5. Then the doctors and everything are pointing out. Push! This is the last time. Give it all you've got. Push! The time of the greatest pressure is the time of your greatest delivery. Oftentimes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you need pressure to push out. And so it was at this time when there's so much pressure that Moses was born. And Moses' mother could have seen Moses as an inconvenience. One, the timing of his coming was wrong. There was fear. Male children were being murdered. The king was looking for people with such children to finish them off. And then the child is born. She could easily have felt this child is out of season. And not in my season, but it was in God's season. And this woman was able to see that. What do you see? And when she saw it, she was not angry that if you had given me a daughter, she would have lived without all these pressures. But you give me a boy so that the king's eyes will be on me. But the Bible said the parents... The woman, she saw that he was a goodly child. She was not looking at the circumstances. She was not looking at the hardships and the pressures. She had an eye of faith. She saw that this was God's will. And the Bible says that God, the child was beautiful in God's sight, in the book of Acts. So she agreed with what God was seeing. But many of us, as soon as we see pain, pressure, hassle, we are likely not to discover our Moses that it is a goodly child. What do you see? And it was what she saw that made her take the subsequent actions that she took. When she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him. Amen. Amen. She hid him because he was a goodly child. Can you imagine hiding a newborn baby for three months? As people are passing behind the window, the child will be crying. In the night, you have to stuff the child's mouth with what? Soldiers are around everywhere. They want to kill the child. And because you have seen that the child is a goodly child, because of what you believe, not just your maternal instincts, because we all have maternal instincts, but what you believe should move you to do certain things. Show me your faith by your actions. And because of that, this woman hid her child for three months. It was not the time for Moses to be exposed. And many times when God is doing something, it looks like a disadvantage. It looks like an inconvenience. It looks like pressure. And we are not able to see that it is a goodly thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When she saw that it was a goodly child, she hid it. Hiding is part of the kingdom of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like three measures of flour and a measure of um, yeast that a woman took and put and hid in the three measures. And then before you know, the kingdom of God blossoms. But at the beginning, it is hidden. 
and you cannot see it. When Jesus was born, the Bible says that a lot of things were said about him, but Mary hid these things in her heart and pondered over it. Every promise has a timing. When the time of the promise drew near, not that it was then there, the people multiplied and increased. And it was at this time that Moses was born. Hallelujah. Let's go to Exodus 1. Please give me a cue when I'm out of time. I wouldn't know. Exodus chapter 1. So 2 and 2. Now it says, I told you, a man from the house of Levi went and married the daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bore a son. Exodus 2, reading from verse 1. Verse 2. And when the woman conceived and bore a son, then, and when she saw that he was beautiful or goodly, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got him a wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens, walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her maid, and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I shall give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Verse 10, And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Amen. Now the Bible says that this woman hid the baby for three months. But then there came a time when she could no longer hide him. In order to see the way God sees, we have to know the timings and the seasons of our lives. The same baby, there may be a time for hiding. But that same baby, you come to a place where you discover that you can no longer hide it. And when you can no longer hide it and you keep hiding it, something will backfire. Amen. But Jochebed knew the times and seasons. So when she could hide it, she did. But when she could no longer hide it, she exposed it. You must know the seasons of no longer in your life. Hallelujah. You have been talking out to this man. Can you not see that you have reached the time of no longer? Amen. It's not every time you have to talk. There are different weapons in our lives. There are times God said, be still. And know that I'm God. The people are coming. Huh? Jehoshaphat. The people are coming with spears, bazookas, and then he says that uh, you will not need to fight in this battle. Then why is it called a battle? The Lord will fight for you and you only have to be still. There are times when you have to be proactive in battle and there are times when you just have to be still. As if you are not even there. We have to discern the times and seasons. The Bible says as long as we live Sea time and harvest, summer and winter, day and night. They will not cease. Hallelujah. So we have to know. So that when it's winter, you dress appropriately. But when it's winter, you say, oh, as for me, I like fresh air. You are going to catch a cold. You are going to catch pneumonia. Hallelujah. So this woman knew the seasons of her life. She knew that it was a goodly thing. But she knew that she could keep the goodly thing for three months. After three months, she could no longer hide it. And then she made a wicker basket and put that precious thing for which even her life was at stake. 
she put it on the river not knowing what will happen but it was an act of faith not an act of desperation she knew that I can no longer this is where I've reached let me do my best to preserve the child but let me also leave it on the river to the one who gave him to me and the one who gave him to me will be able to take care of it many of us we say the Lord is my shepherd but you are your own shepherd that's why you have so many sleepless nights and agitation because you are figuring out as a shepherd of your own self how you will look after yourself but there's a shepherd who has taken over the full responsibility the Lord so the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want but you are wanting and all that because you have moved the Lord aside and you have installed yourself as chief shepherd of your own affairs when she could no longer hide him now many women do not even respect the weapons or the tools that are in our hands that God can use many people because you say well, what is a wicker basket we are talking about powerful things we are talking about armies we are talking about things that when they come it invokes a presence but a wicker basket what can it do but I always say that whatever it is in the hands of a woman is a different thing if it's an apple it's an apple that can turn the world around it's not just an apple it may be just an apple, but once we are serving it, destiny is at stake for years. Hallelujah. If Adam was not deceived, the Bible said, Eve was deceived. Adam was not. But Eve brought the apple. Adam, dear. And Eve just gave him, and he ate. And when God also came to ask him, he said, oh, the, the wife, you are not even shy to say that. The woman you gave me. But look at Eve and the far-reaching effects of what she did. Disease, famine, betrayal, rejection, broken-heartedness, broken relationships, incurable diseases, up to now. So when God came to the guy, he said, what is this that you have done? Eve couldn't say, oh Lord, it's just a small sin. But God could see you and I. Our headaches, our back, our, oh, one apple. She doesn't need to do an advert. She doesn't need a TV, whatever. Just an apple. Women are powerful. I'm telling you. And just a wicker basket. A wicker basket provided Israel with a deliverer and a savior. Otherwise, there would have been no Moses. But you look at it and say, oh, how can it be my lot to just make a basket? I want a stage ministry. I want something more powerful. I want more exposure. I want more... No. God asked Moses, what is that you have in your hand? We all have something in our hands. The difference is you must allow the master to touch it so that it will become a good rod. It must become a good thing in your hands. Because women, whatever is in our hands, whether good or evil, we can turn it in that way. I always say, what did Delilah have? Just a lap. A lap. A lap that everybody has. But she looked and said, this is a weapon. So Samson, you go, carry gates, you fight with lions. You are the, I'm, I'm a macho man. Be macho. Be macho, but you will come home. And when Samson comes, you know, he's so tired and Delilah says, oh, come lay your head on me. <laughs> so Samson says, oh, Delilah, push, 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 I'm tired. And when he lies there, every sense, every ability to descend, everything is gone. Three times a woman tricks you. Say, Samson, what is the uh, secret of your strength? So, if they bind me with uh, this, this will happen. And then the Philistines come. And then you do this, you see them. And say, oh, it's not true. Then you go back and sleep in the lap. Then all your thinking 
But if you are choking battle for battle, you look at Delilah and say, oh, she cannot conquer a nation. She's not trained in artillery. She cannot do much. But her lap alone. What is it that you have in your hands? Hallelujah. What is it that you have in your hands? It is powerful. You don't need to be the head of South African police. Oh, in our houses and everywhere. We are powerful. Amen. God has blessed us with what you call influence. But that influence can be used for good or for bad. Oh, may we use the influence to further the things of God. To further the kingdom of God. Because when this woman made the wicker basket, she provided a prophet who led out millions and millions of people into God's promised land. Just that basket to preserve that life. When something comes to you at a certain time and there's something you have to do to preserve it, to further God's purpose, do it. Because you never know how far-reaching it will be. Hallelujah. And all these things she did was because of how she saw. You only protect that which you see as precious. You only protect that which you see as worthwhile. And so she made all that basket, made her daughter stand there and all that because of her belief system. Most of you would have done it because of your maternal instincts. But this woman, it was her faith in God that propelled her. If it's maternal instincts, both unbelievers and believers have it. But it is a thing of faith towards God. Then that is real commitment. And when she could no longer hide him, she made a wicker basket and she put him on it. And God sent Pharaoh's daughter. And when Pharaoh's daughter came to her, she was coming to bathe, the normal things. I often say that many supernatural encounters begin with the natural. And often we miss out on God because we think that he will come in a certain way. In the same way how Jesus was born. Because in this world, when great things are happening, we make a lot of noise. Huh? When an emperor is being born somewhere, this is up, we make a lot of noise. But God chose that his son should come and live in a stable. I said, God, your ways are really difficult. How can the savior of the world be born in a stable? But my human mind tells me, maybe, you see, they knew that Pharaoh would come and look for them and all these problems. So when the baby cries, it mixes with the mooing of the cows. So it cannot be heard. Hallelujah. But God often does supernatural things in a very natural way. When you read the Bible, Saul, his father's asses were lost. He was just looking for the donkeys. And then God said, there's a man called Saul, the son of Kish. He's looking for his uh, father's donkeys. Tell him that they have been found. And just minister to him, anoint him there and there. He's going to be king. So for him, what led him to Samuel was looking for donkeys. But that natural act had a supernatural implication. And we must open our eyes to see these things that God does. Hallelujah. You are too carnal. Everything is natural. The food you eat, the, you just sleep. Everything is natural about you. But God uses the, superna- the natural to do the super and it becomes supernatural. The woman at the well, she was just going to fetch water. A usual chore, I'm just going to work. But it was a time of destiny. Jesus was traveling. He said, no, I must go through Samaria. I must need to go through Samaria. But the woman thought that I've just gotten up and I'm going to fetch water. I'm going, I'm just going to fetch water. But thank God that when Jesus encountered her, she took advantage of that encounter. I think that timeliness helps you to see. How do you see? Do you discern everything in your life in a carnal way? How you met your husband, oh, we just fell in love. and we God has a purpose for that union. And it's not about you. Hallelujah. I don't know if I've told you the story of Pastor Kakra taking Bishop's car. You know? Bishop was my beloved. He came to visit me. And then his car was muddy because he came from a place outside the city where I lived. So I said to my brother, please use the water hose to wash this car. Because there's mud on it. Oh, yes, gladly. And then I went in to give my beloved nice breakfast. 
Now we're waiting for a long time. The car was not coming. So let's go out. I'm sure my brother has come to park the car. When we came out, the car was still not there. My brother has parked the car and gone out. The car that he should wash in the compound, he has parked it and gone to town. And my beloved didn't know him so well. So he said, oh, is that how your brothers are? <laughs> oh, I felt so embarrassed. They are very wild, though. <laughs> At that time, Pastor Kaka was not born again. So when he came back, we were standing in front of the gate. So he parked the car and I said, oh, but why? Washing a car. And now you have taken the person's car out. Gone to pick your friends in the area and things. And the one I called him to tell him on the side, he told me that even the guy's car, it was even boring. Every tape you put in preaching and things. <laughs> even that's why he has brought it early because the guy's car is not the best. So, Bishop said, well then let's just go in. So we went into the living room and then Bishop asked him, are you born again? Do you know the Lord? He said, no. Bishop spoke to him and said, I want to lead you to receive Christ. And he received Christ there and then. Wow. Now when he's preaching, he said, oh, I believe it was an anointing in the car that arrested me. That... So the seemingly natural things of going with the car to pick your coppers and your friends and all those people have become born again today. So he says, oh, I think when they sat in the car, some anointing, I said, it's good to comfort yourself. <laughs> with good reasons. Amen. But many natural things have supernatural implications. And this woman discovered that. Now, many times in the Bible, people didn't see the way God saw. And when we align with the way God sees, it takes us forward. And it makes us progress. When Abraham came out of his tent, God said, what do you see? He said, I see the stars. He didn't say, I see the dark skies. But many of us, that's what we see. The skies are, the stars are there. And the reason, the only reason why you see the stars are because they are against a background of darkness. But you can decide what you see and how you see. I ask you, how is your marriage? You see the darkness, you don't see the stars. Ask God, your financial situation? You see the darkness, you don't see the stars. But Abraham said, I see the stars. And God said, so shall your descendants be. The way you see is the raw material God uses to work out what will be the end results. How do you see? Let's go to Numbers 13 and I'm about to end. Numbers 13. When you are there, shout yes. Are you there? Yes. <laughs> I myself, I'm not there. I'm coming. Are you there? Yes. Okay, I'm trying to get there. Numbers 33. Numbers 13, 33. Okay, let's read a bit more so that you understand. If we read from 33, it's true. Um, okay, let's read from verse 1, but we'll hop, we'll skip as we go along. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone a leader. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran into the command of the at the command of the Lord, all of them, men who were heads of the sons of Israel. These then were their names. We don't need all those names. Verse 17, when Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, go up there into the Negev, then go up into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. And how is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? And how are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or with fortifications? And how is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. These are good questions to find out when you are going for missions. The land, what are the things to the people? 
Are there fortified cities? Are there open places? Are there souls? You know, they are good questions. So Moses sent them out with this mandate. Verse 25. When they return from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they, proceed, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all of the congregation of the sons of Israel. 27. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its, first, its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek, you see, Amalek, is living in the land of the Negev. God has his issues with them already. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites, 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in, spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. If you devour the the inhabitants, you will not be there. There will not be human beings there. There also, we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sights. Hallelujah. We saw there the descendants of Anak. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were to them. Now let's read 14 verse 9. Verse 8. If the Lord is with us, this is the two people speaking. Joshua and Caleb. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. For they shall be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. Hallelujah. The sons of Anak were real. They were in the land. And Moses had given them a mandate, go and see the people in the land. Are they strong or are they weak? The fortified cities, do they have fortified cities or they live in open camps? How is the vegetation of the place? Find out all these things. So all these spies, they were leaders of the tribes. They obeyed Moses. But then when they came back, they said that the land that we went to see is a land that devours its inhabitants. How do you see? If the land was devouring its inhabitants, there would be no people in the land. Only trees. But you came, you said there are people in it. But you, the same person, you are saying that it's a land that devours its inhabitants. How do you see? Somebody said, fear is false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. So when they saw that sons of Anak, they are giants all right, but that is not why you should see differently. So the, the land is divine, its inhabitants. And when we saw the giants, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. It's not that God made them grasshoppers, but according to how they saw in their own sight, they were as grasshoppers. And so we became to them. What you become to people is how you see yourself. It's not people who determine who you are. It's you who determine how people see you. Hallelujah. We were as grasshoppers. Now, when you have low self-esteem, I'm nothing. God cannot use me. Oh, I have no power. You have no power of your own. But the greater one is in you. And if you confess and see all these things, then others will see. But if you see yourself as a grasshopper, so you will be to them. What do you see? How do you see? Hallelujah. And they said, let's not go to the land. Majority, 10 against 2. And we are told that majority carries the vote. I've come to see that majority is often also wrong. Because when Jesus was being crucified, there was a consensus. Crucify him. 
They said the whole nation said, give to us Barabbas. But as for this man, crucify him. And many of us would have said, oh, the way everybody agreed, this man was really bad. But no. It doesn't mean that. But I want us to go to what Joshua and Caleb saw. They said that these people are like bread for us. It's not that they are no giants. It's not that they are not frightening. They didn't say all those things are not true. But they said they are like bread. You are seeing yourself as a grasshopper. Others are seeing the people as bread. They are like bread for us. Number one. Number two, their protection has gone away from them. They were seeing things supernaturally. What do you see? How do you see? How come you don't have a thankful spirit? Because you see only the darkness. You don't see the stars. How come you are so morose, so complaining? Because you never see the many mercies that God brings your way. Hallelujah. They are like bread for us. Their protection has gone away from them. Hallelujah. And then they said, If it pleases the Lord... Their protection has been removed from them. How come the ten spies didn't see that? They are great. They are giants. They have land. They divine inhabitants. They say, hey, they are like bread for us because they are protection. They look like that, but they don't have any security around them. They look like that, but they are not as powerful as they look. Their protection has departed from them, but the Lord is with us. Moses' parents saw the way God saw. Acts said, God saw a beautiful child. Moses' parents also saw a beautiful child. How come you cannot see from God's perspective? Your protection is gone from them. They are like bread for us. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Hallelujah. Do not fear them. Why? Because of God's presence. But usually we don't see that way. All these facts are true. And all the other facts are also true. That the people are like giants. They have very long necks. They are the sons of Anak. They are very huge. They are intimidating. All that is true. But it's also true that they are like bread for you. Their protection is removed from them. The presence of the Lord is with us. And if the Lord pleases, he will give them to us. This morning, I want you to agree with God the way God sees. Oftentimes, we become discouraged in despair because we don't see the way God sees. Hallelujah. You know, some time ago, some black Americans came to the church and Adley Chapel was being dedicated in Ghana. And they were saying, you know, this is a magnificent place. It's like this, it's like that. We want to thank God for Bishop Doug who really had vision to bring the church to a wonderful place like this. And after that, Bishop had to come up and speak. Said that, well, I thank you for all your nice words. But I must confess, there is no vision that has brought me here, but beatings. They beat us where we are. We suffered where we were. On that day when the church was attacked, blood was spilled. Pregnant women fainted. So many things happened. It was a time of pressure. The time of promise was drawing near. Hallelujah, but we didn't even know it. We went to wherever we could get help. Still, we could no longer do anything about the situation. And on that day, in our pain, we had a pastor's meeting. And Bishop said, does anybody know of a new facility so that we move out of here? Somebody lifted his hand and said, I know, but we can't afford it. I know, but it's very, very highly priced and it's in dollars. We can't afford it. So Bishop said, let's go and have a look. We went to have a look. And the price was frightening. But he said, you know, I believe that God can help us. I will go to all our branches. I will tell them how my office has been bombed and all that has happened and how we need to move out of this place. So he went and he told our brethren, no outside help. The same lighthouse family, our little, our match, our little, our match. And that is what has ended us up at the Kodesh. So it's not great vision it's not great administrative skills, but it's pressure. Push. 
Pressure gave birth to this stage of a ministry. And at that time, you could also see only bad things. This place that we are, they just attack us, they just this, they just that. But hey, it was a good thing. And now as we walk in the Kodesh, my husband was telling me, you just become humble at what God can do because you know that it's not you. You pulled all the strings. It didn't work. But it was because God was bringing you here. I said, oh God, may I see the way you see. Because as the things were going on, I was thinking that, hey, can I still live in this country? What else is going to happen? Because when Bishop is going, bodyguards and things that we are not used to were happening. But it was all the time of pressure. I pray that, first of all, you will know God's promises. You will know his timetable. When you know it, then you will see the way he sees. And when he tells you to come out and to look at the sky, you will not say it's very, very, very dark. Not much is happening. The sky, the darkness is more than the stars. Let me talk about what is more. But Abraham said, I see the stars. The Bible says that Abraham saw that which was invisible. We must have the ability to see that which is invisible. You know, sometimes you look at your mind, oh, lady pastor, this is ashes. But God said it's beauty. This thing, how can it be beauty? He said, I will make it beauty. Really? If it's you, then you are able. So what is impossible with men is possible with God. All those things should shape our eyesight and we should see the way God sees. Stand to your feet, please. Hallelujah. I want you to pray that God will realign your vision. That you will see things from his perspective. Some of you, you have seen yourself as grasshoppers for too long. And so you are to them. But today, God is giving you a new self-image. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and to good works that God has ordained that you should walk in them. Pray that the time of pressure, you will know the time of your visitation. Pray that you will descend the seasons of your lives, the time when you can hide at the time when you can hide. Pray for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Pray for an acquaintanceship with the voice of the Holy Spirit so that you will know the various seasons that God brings your way. Open your mouth and speak to God. How do you see and what do you see? Oh, Father, deliver us from a negative spirit. Deliver us from an unthankful heart. Deliver us from seeing things in the way the world sees things. Deliver us from seeing things only after our senses. But let us hide, have the eye of faith. Let us have the eye of God. Let us see a goodly child. Let us not see the precious. Let us not see only the king's commandments. Let us not only see the inconvenience. But let us see the goodly children. The goodly things that you are bringing away. I pray for your people. That they will not miss the time of their visitation. I pray for your hand to prevail. I pray for your people to receive a second vision. Lord, above the natural beyond the natural let us see the supernatural open the eyes of my heart lord open the eyes of my heart i want to see you i want to see you open the eyes open the eyes of my heart lord. ask him to open your
It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.